what will your future look like? The job you do today could be different than the jobs of tomorrow. Some see this as a challenge. At UCF, we see opportunity. A chance for you to grow your knowledge and strengthen your skills from anywhere life might take you. With in-demand degree programs and resources for your success, UCF Online can help you prepare for the future and all the possibilities that come with it. From the University of Central Florida's Center for Distributed Learning, I'm Tom Cavanaugh. And I am Kelvin Thompson. And you're listening to TopCast, the teaching online podcast. Hello, Kelvin. Hello, Tom. Uh, I see that you have redecorated at, uh, in your upper room at your, your house. I have. I have come into the office, collected all of my belongings, including all of my office furniture and paintings and posters and, um, and the wall that I have in my office, and brought them all back to my house and installed them so that I have an exact replica of my office at home for purposes of this Zoom podcast. That's good. That's, that makes you feel more productive. Hey, I'm, I'm for it. Sure. Yes. Either that or I'm a dirty, dirty liar. And, uh, <laughs> I'm actually sitting in the office. So I am uh-huh. back. Mm-hmm. I am back. Uh, mm-hmm. UCF has asked senior administrators to start coming back. So here I am. Mm-hmm. I came in yesterday. You did. I saw you. I saw you at the very beginning of the day walking in. I saw you at the end of the day walking out. And I had some video conferences with you. We had a couple of meetings, yeah, on Zoom with each other, just literally across the office suite from each other. Is this the new normal, Tom? Is this it? For a while. I'm afraid so. Okay. Well, Ooh, I see you uh, in Zoom there sipping something. Yes, I am sipping something. What is Um, it? So, maybe a quick reminder to our listeners, mm-hmm. maybe some who may be new, that uh, we are we a, hope so. a collegial conversation carried on over a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. And um, coffee is a bit of a theme for us. And so we always mm-hmm. have some, in normal times, thematically selected coffee. And uh, mine is not thematically selected. So again, we are recording in the afternoon. Not that mm-hmm. anybody really should care. You can listen to it uh, in the dead of night, if you like, or first thing in the morning, whatever makes sense. But we are recording in the afternoon, and for my afternoon cup, I try to stick with decaf. I got you. So this is yet another uh, uh, cup of um, my decaf mainstay, the um, San Francisco Bay French Roast. I got you. Yeah, mm-hmm. I got you. You know, I splurge when we record in the afternoon, and I, I make, you know, legit with the caffeine added uh, coffee and have a second excellent cup of coffee for the, for the day. Uh, so my coffee, Tom, is uh, a single origin Columbia roasted nearby at Foxtail Coffee Company in lovely Winter Park, Florida, but actually from the state or in Colombia, it's called a department, I learned that, department of Tolima, Specifically, my coffee is from a town in Tolima called Plenadas. So the municipata- municipa- municipality? The municipality. municipality. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> they have a really tough governor. I mean, a, a mayor or something. A municipality. Uh, the mu- municipality of Plenadas is only about 50 years old, but it was apparently founded by folks from other coffee-growing areas in Colombia. Some people might recognize Huila 
which is an adjacent department in Colombia. So coffee became a thing. And while our single origin coffees are usually known by country name, there are often other names associated as well, like Colombia this, Colombia that, Rwanda this, Rwanda that. And those other names are usually specific farms or towns or washing stations where the coffee is processed or regions such as states or departments. So there's always a context with the coffee origins. So the coffee's pretty good. I like Foxdale. Yeah. How's the we connection? We have them on campus. That's true. Well, we do. Uh, I was trying to follow along. Um, <laughs> I did get a bit sidebarred with municipality and, and yeah, that lost would do it. me there uh, that for was, a little bit. That was, uh, that was prestidigitation. <laughs> <laughs> Super califragilistic. Um, Expialidocious. Yeah, I, I, I'm afraid uh, I'm, I'm maybe coming up empty on this. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give you a little bit more, right? So... Mm-hmm. Uh, so like on Miller's analogies test, which is an alternative to the SAT for some places, it's all analogies. Department is to town as system is to institution. Okay. And uh, we're going to have in this episode an interview that focuses on a system-wide effort carried out as an institutional strategy with implications at the faculty and instructional designer level. Okay. So I don't uh, know if you can follow some logic in there or not. I can in there now. Uh, it feels like I'm back in high school taking the SAT with those analogies. <laughs> Municipality. Um, <laughs> uh, I was told there would be no test uh, to this podcast. <laughs> so right. um, thank you for the bait and switch. But uh, I think I get it. Uh, so, um, yeah, we're going to be talking about this uh, system-wide effort with someone who has been uh, very involved with it and um, what they're working on, which is um, which is kind of cool. Maybe you can maybe you can fill in some of the some of the details for us. Sure. So we have uh, from time to time on Topcast talked about the importance of online course accessibility. We even did a bit of a deep dive into our practices at UCF for ensuring that online materials are accessible by all learners back in episode 21, which was, believe it or not, Tom, season two. We oh, called that we uh, small baby podcasters, right? toddler podcasters. Yeah, we called that accessibility. It's a journey, not a destination. I but today that. we're going to hear about a system level initiative for accessibility of information technology, not just online courses, and how that broader effort affects the on the ground accessibility work at one institution in that system. Now. I would say this is particularly important currently as our COVID-19 response continues, lest you think, dear listener, that we recorded this episode months and months ago. No, no, this we're current. Just this morning, uh, we're recording this at the very beginning of June, just this morning, I saw a piece in Inside Higher Ed regarding legal issues potentially faced by higher ed institutions this fall, 2020, as a result of our COVID-19 response. And... Hello, online course accessibility was one of the issues. So very, very relevant, I think. Yeah, it's a big deal. Um, And we certainly heard um, all sorts of things that came up as we moved to 100% remote and uh, had had folks trying to help those students in a lot of different ways. So about that system-wide effort, Kelvin, Mm -hmm. you interviewed Dr. Sherry Braxton during the 2019 OLC Accelerate Conference. So I sure did. This is the time we're recording this most recent one that occurred the prior fall. 
And Sherry is Senior Director of Instructional Technology at University of Maryland, Baltimore County, where we know several other folks, um, have several good friends there. Mm -hmm. She is her institution's Quality Matters Coordinator. She has worked in the field of instructional technology for nearly 20 years and is active in our professional associations such as EDUCAUSE, the Online Learning Consortium, and the IMS Global Learning Consortium. Sherry has also served as faculty co-director for EDUCAUSE's Learning Technology Leadership Institute program, where mm -hmm. you had a little something to do with that as well. Yeah, I've been I've been on the faculty there before, and I can right. attest to uh, Sherry's um, good co-directing. Yeah, and general all-around awesomeness. Yeah, I would say so, that too. <laughs> any uh, any comments you would like to make about your conversation with Dr. Sherry Braxton before we cut to the interview? Uh, sure. Uh, Sherry is, uh, what'd you say? Uh, all around awesome. Yeah, yeah. that's true. She, I would say she's a true leader. She's top notch. She thinks deeply and acts purposefully. Um, I will mention real quickly, just because we get into jargon a little bit in the interview, uh, there are some acronyms. Quality Matters, QM, most people will know. VPAT, Voluntary Product Accessibility Template. I kind of mangle that in the interview a little bit. Um, WCAG, some people say, Web Content Accessibility Guidelines, W3C, the World Wide Web Consortium, which is the, now like the most dated acronym ever, right? <laughs> we actually yeah. say World Wide Web right out there, but that, yeah. that's it. I think we let the interview speak for itself. Okay, awesome. So now through the magic of podcast time travel, here's your interview with Dr. Sherry Braxton. Thanks for joining us, Sherry. So great to have you on TopCast today. My pleasure. So we were talking before we hit record about some of the work that is happening at your institution and system around accessibility and how that relates to kind of our broader community of uh, online education folks. And so I thought we might talk a little bit about your context and then what kind of principles uh, might be good takeaways for our audience of instructional designers, online faculty, and online administrators. How's that sound? That sounds great. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your context. Sure. So back in 2014, 2015, the System of Maryland assembled an accessible technology and information working group to really look at what needs to be addressed on the different campuses with regard to access. Mm -hmm. and accessing content, whether it's on the public websites or within courses, mm -hmm. um, all contexts. So uh, that group created a set of guidelines, and those guidelines were passed down to the different institutions, and they were charged to you know, develop a working group with some diverse stakeholders around campus to, to start addressing these issues. Mm -hmm. We'd already been doing some of this stuff on our campus, um, but in May of 2019, we actually formalized the process okay. and set up a working group to look at IT accessibility. Okay. So the, the guidelines had five strategic areas okay. to look at. The first being procurement mm -hmm. of accessible technology, um, library resources, uh, captioning, which we'll talk about in the context uh -huh. of classes, yes. <laughs> and then online course content. So that mm -hmm. could be for your traditionally offered courses or fully online courses. Gotcha. And then, of course, the global website for each campus, mm -hmm. both the intranet and the front-facing mm -hmm. website. Mm -hmm. So those are five strategic areas. It's a lot. And so when we looked at the guidelines back when they were delivered in 2015, we created a compliance checklist okay. based on those guidelines so that mm -hmm. we could just go through and track to see where we were mm -hmm. and what we needed to address at UMBC. And at the time, it was the director of student disability services, our AV services, which is our classroom technology mm -hmm. right. person within right. our division of information technology and myself. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and we went through and we did kind of a cursory look and we found that, you know, we were we were doing OK. 
but it hadn't been formalized on our campus at this point. So the working group we assembled in the spring had a much broader group of people okay. to cover those strategic areas of procurement, yeah. the library. Mm -hmm. um, of course, I had course content since I'm director of instructional technology. Yeah, right. um, and then the website, we had institutional advancement, our webmaster as part of the group. Mm -hmm. And then we also cover captioning within my organization on campus. So that working group spent the summer looking at that compliance checklist and going out to their areas and seeing mm -hmm. where the gaps were and brought those back and we drafted this three-year strategic plan, wow. a roadmap to try to get all of those guidelines addressed. Wow. Yeah, so within that, obviously for our instructional designers, you know, there are two key areas, two street, key strategic areas, mm -hmm. the online course content right. and the captioning of video. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we've been providing captioning for uh, screencasts and lecture captures for the last two years. Okay. We've had a process in place. Okay. Um, and faculty have uh, adopted using it pretty well. And we put it as part of our ticketing system. So okay. we just tell faculty, create your screencast, put mm -hmm. in a ticket, tell mm -hmm. us where your video is, we'll send it off to our vendor, okay. and we'll upload it for you and you'll have it. Wow. Yeah, so it's cut out a lot of the work for them and, and they've really grown to it. And we've, uh, this past year, adopted a new uh, screen capturing platform, which has also helped to simplify that process. Okay. Are there any gaps then with captioning in online courses? Um, the only gap is making sure faculty are actually submitting the tickets. The tickets. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, and so part of that policy development that yeah. we'll have to do is to, you know, talk about that accountability and what their role and, and responsibilities are. And that's accountability for yeah. making sure they do it right yeah, okay. I mean you know it's hard to wrangle all faculty in who are doing things and is that right as you know <laughs> but um, educating them and informing them why it's important yeah not just for students with differing abilities but just universal design of you know, some mm -hmm. people really need to have the visual they need to have the transcripts yeah. they need to be able to access the information in the way that's most comfortable for them so you frame that as I, I think I heard you say, I don't think you used these words, but the concept was like instructor-created video content. That is correct. So that's correct. Primarily, that's what we're supporting. Um, mm -hmm. Now, we know that faculty go out and find videos. Uh -huh. and, and so that's part of the reason we've got the librarians involved in this mm -hmm. process also, to be making sure they're vetting the sources, that mm -hmm. it's not copyrighted, that they can use the material freely in their courses. So does that mean that if a faculty member chose to... Uh, hypothetically speaking, uh, like you never experienced it. <laughs> I, I, I could imagine a world in which um, you know a faculty member might go to a video sharing site and go, "Huh, that's a that's a great little video that's very useful in my course. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to uh, embed it right here in my course and and bypass the uh, the librarian vetted uh, sure. materials and. Uh, and all that, does that mean uh, swim, at, no, swim at your own risk, no lifeguard on duty, or how would that work? So, so you know, it's hard for us to, to wrangle and uh -huh. capture all of those, but um, we've adopted Ally. We, we're a Blackboard yeah. school. Yeah. We've adopted yeah. Ally. So one of the things Ally does is also helps us find yeah. Uh, yeah. content that's not accessible. Sure. So maybe we could find that that exists mm -hmm. through, the, mm -hmm. through the reporting that you can get from the tool, yeah. but really... Uh, 
we can put out the education and, yep. and tell people how to do it and use the best practices. But in the end, you know, there's going to be something. It's up to the indi- individual That's to right. make, make good choices. That's exactly And right. engage with what you're offering That's institutionally. Right. That's yeah. right. That's reasonable. Yeah, it's tough. That's the, yeah, I hear the you. you know, when you're adopting all new tools and you have the best practices laid out, it's really hard to ensure that everyone follows them. And that's, and that's, right. and that's very much in the weeds, the, yeah, the captioning thing. Is. That's a big commitment. Yeah. What about the other like online course content? So the other on- online course content, like PowerPoints mm-hmm. and, and PDFs mm-hmm. and all those things, again, we provide support mm-hmm. um, and for faculty learning how to do that. We do workshops. Mm-hmm. Student Disability Services will help. Um, if uh, a faculty comes and they have someone who needs accommodations, they know the tools, they help them, and then they will refer us th- for them to us if mm-hmm. they need additional assistance. Um, and again, we're using Ally. Ally will also help find that content that is not accessible mm-hmm. and can do some remediation on the spot. It's mm-hmm. a pretty powerful tool. And we've just adopted it in the past year. Okay. So it's a, a, a lot of what we're going to have to do around all of this accessibility is education, mm-hmm. And helping people understand the benefits of, gotcha. of doing and is, it. And yeah. does that show up in your three-year plan for both uh, the captioning and the online it, course They content? are, in fact, in the three-year plan. And the policy development around responsibility and accountability. Mm-hmm. So each of those strategic areas, we're going to have to have a subcommittee that's going to work specifically on those policies and get them through shared governance. Gotcha. Yeah. Hmm. So are you having... Um, gotten really into the, the weeds these these last months and in, in this year, are you more encouraged than when you started out? Or are well, you more like, wow, this is daunting. Since I was the chair of the working group mm-hmm. <laughs> and will be, I'm sure, involved with a lot of these subcommittees, I'm encouraged because the, the individuals who served on our working group really understand the importance yeah. of making sure accessibility is present for all of our IT uh, infrastructure, whether it's the website or for course content. As we're procuring things, I think if we really change the policies of procuring technology and have the WCAG standards yeah, yeah. and other things like that looked at just bes- uh, in addition to the VPATs, I'm using acronyms, yeah, I'll spell right. them out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the volunteer accessibility VPAT uh, procurement, procurement accessibility but yes, templates. Templates, right. Yeah, As, right. You know, those are really not um, thorough and and, uh-huh. and vendors can just say we have VPAT, but right. Having them actually look at something that's a little more uh, robust, like the W3C standards mm-hmm, mm-hmm, for accessibility, um, and making sure those are built into the procurement process. Mm-hmm. Uh, our procurement people are open to it, but we just need to help them. They don't, they're not experts in accessibility, right? So it's a VPAT, great, that that mm-hmm. was good enough for them. But we know that that's really not good enough to ensure that what we're bringing on campus is going to be accessible our students so I am encouraged I am encouraged but it is going to be a lot of work um and three years may be (laughs) may be uh an accelerated Hmm. uh timeline but I think we could do it I think Mm -hmm. if we have uh the right people on the committees Mm -hmm. we can we can get it done let me zoom out and ask you um this for a second um so in your work uh in the online uh Mm -hmm. course world if um if you had to imagine uh, kind of compare and contrast, if you were to do this accessibility work for online, separate from this broader context, the institutional system and IT, five strategy yeah. areas, mm-hmm. all that, if you're just do, doing only the online stuff, would that be 
easier Kelvin, and better it's or almost not? as if I fed you that question oh, really? to ask okay, me <laughs> because we do have a process that's separate and distinct from this for online course okay, development. Okay. Um, we call it our alternate delivery program. Okay. The faculty who want to change the traditional course, either a hybrid or fully online, go through. Uh-huh. It follows the quality matters rubric, uh-huh. okay. which has a yeah, very yeah. key piece about yeah, accessibility yeah, yeah. now. Right. So those faculty have to meet a certain level of standard to, mm-hmm. for their courses to be QM compliant. The accessibility pieces are required standards. Mm-hmm. So by that context and through that context, our, our recently developed online courses don't have an accessibility problem. Okay. You okay. notice I said our recently developed because there are people who have been developing courses. I, I've been at UMBC for five, five and a half years now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There are people online before that mm-hmm, mm-hmm, doing their own thing. Right. You know, so getting those people to go through a process to look at their courses mm-hmm. and a- address those areas. Mm-hmm. Just good course design for some, mm-hmm, others mm-hmm. including accessibility. Right. That's again something else that as part of the policy uh-huh. development we would have to to enforce, uh, or enforce is such a hard word to use, I mean, yeah. encourage yeah, 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 right, right. <laughs> best practices okay. for those okay. online courses. So the the broader context, this uh, system, institutional, mm-hmm. um, accessible IT, mm-hmm. is really a getting everything That's right. That's exactly right, getting okay. everything current. So in that sense, there's a real benefit um uh, broadly, but also specifically in the online area, yes. online course area. Exactly. And as okay. I mentioned, since uh, my group, my shop focuses on that, yeah. that's really our, that will be our strategic area that we're in charge of. And sh- the captioning of the uh, the videos and the online course content accessibility. I would guess, but I'm curious if you would um, agree with this. I would guess that there is something also uh, sort of... Um, how would I put this? Whole, the whole is greater than some of the parts. Holistically encouraging by uh, framing all your accessibility work more broadly rather than just being zoomed in? I, I think that's exactly right. I think um, there has been a lot of litigation around schools not having the basic things accessible. Mm-hmm. You know, you mm-hmm. go to a website as a new student who wants to go to an institution and they've got a Nice tour online, right? Yeah, a video right. tour, but it's it's not captioned. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no transcription of what's provided. They've got nice images and PDF files mm-hmm. that aren't screen readable. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the broader context is really access, equity, mm-hmm. um, for student success, whatever that may be in whatever yeah. context that may be, right? right? And then we drill down to all those areas mm-hmm. where that's important to, to look at accessibility. Where, where do students navigate that they need to make sure they have access to anything that's um, digitally um, stored. So it sounds like the, at the end of the day, this is really an exercise in transforming culture. In some cases it will be, yes, because it's no longer just the responsibility of student disability services mm-hmm. and classroom tech mm-hmm. and physical plant for accessibility to buildings. We're talking about thinking universally, yeah. um, IT accessible content throughout the institution. Um, that's a great example. I think we should probably um, follow up with you in a in a couple of years and see, see, <laughs> see how, how that roadmap is playing out. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Right. yeah. And, uh, and hopefully well, right? No, uh, I, I, sometimes we think we, we bite off more than we can chew in the short term, but right. you know, we 
forget that if we, we stick at it for a while, we can really accomplish some and things. And we can really chunk these, um, these specific goals that need to be fulfilled over time, right? I mean, there are some short-term things you know you can do. You can mm -hmm. already, we have some tools. We can already um, take care of and remediate lots of content. If we educate faculty that, that con those tools are there, yeah. they can do a lot of that on their own. But then there's this larger scheme of getting an enterprise tool for the website, mm -hmm. right? For all of those individual college and departmental websites to go through accessibility mm -hmm. checks. And that's a more that's clearly gonna be a more long term yeah. project. So yeah. Well, thanks for sharing us uh, with us today a little bit of your context on accessibility and we ought to follow back up and and uh, and, and see and see what's uh, emerged later. I'm hoping we'll be able to report good things and success. Yeah. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> thanks, Kelvin. So, Kelvin, that was your interview with Sherry Braxton. It was. Isn't she great? She is great. Um, you know, one of the things that struck me as I listened to that was just how comprehensive their approach was. Mm. Um, I know you and I sort of chatted about this in preparation for this discussion, that it, it was more than just online learning. It was sort of, right. you know, IT related, but that yeah. that's part of what made it so comprehensive. Uh, mm -hmm. You even made a comment to the effect of just that's, that's really big. <laughs> it's, yeah. a, it's got a broad scope. And, yeah. um, and, you know, I kind of commend them for their ambition in taking all that mm -hmm. on. And not just at one institution, right? Right. That, uh, that University of Maryland system is, there's a lot of institutions in that thing. There and to are, coordinate yeah. all of that, deep and wide for, for sure. Um, yeah, I, I think a couple things stood out for me. Um, Sherry spoke to the procurement process, which is really more on, I think, more on what we would call the information technology side. Although, uh, I suppose that there are, especially during our COVID-19 response, we've been procuring new online services, right? And uh, uh, accessibility of those in that context is all the more important. And so that is hard to bring people along who don't live this every single day, like in purchasing offices. So that's a challenge. Right. Yeah, and um, and just sort of the the kind of thoughtfulness with how she's uh, approaching it, um, particularly her piece of it, which is kind of the the world we live in, instructional mm -hmm. design and course mm -hmm. development and things like that. Uh, I just I, I just really appreciated, um, you know, that that level of care and and the attention that they've placed on accessibility, because mm -hmm. it it really is important, especially now. I mean, obviously we had no idea when you recorded this that we would be in the midst of a global pandemic. Right. Um, but thank goodness people like her are thinking about this um, because then it, it puts you in a much better position to deal with a situation like this where suddenly everybody is online and um, students who need accommodations still need to continue their education as well. So how can, we, how can we make sure that we serve everybody? Yeah. Yeah. You know, one thing that I was struck with, though, is despite all of that, right, uh, she talked about policy, uh, which we've talked about institutional versus state or federal or you know policy or regulation and laws all those kind of things before but the, the system or institution level policy but even with policy and presumably resources and good practices which she talked about there's still it's so important for the for the individual faculty member to be involved in the process you, you really can only go so far with online course accessibility without that faculty member being engaged and cooperative in the process. 
Yeah, and we talked about that, I think, in the episode that, that we did where, mm-hmm. you know, I, I've described um, accessibility and open education as sort of taking every hill individually with, <laughs> with every faculty member. Accessibility mm-hmm. less so than, say, open educational resources because you don't have as much choice to not comply. But, um, but what you want to do is just make that part of the air that mm-hmm. everybody breathes that mm-hmm. accessibility is everybody's job and, and it becomes part of the process. And it's, right. a, you know, it's a culture shift. And Sherry alluded to that in, mm-hmm. in her mm-hmm. comments. Um, and I think we can all relate because mm-hmm. we've all had those conversations. Yeah. You know, we've talked about those situations where a faculty member said, well, if I'm going to have to caption this, then I'm just going to take it out. Like, well, yeah. no, <laughs> that's not the answer. Let's yeah. figure out a plan to caption it. You know, let's just mm-hmm. work on it. It's, it's, it. It can be done. It can be done. Right, and, and to that point, right, instructional designers uh, working hand in glove, shoulder to shoulder, elbow to elbow, Zoom to Zoom, Teams to Teams, whatever, uh, with client faculty are so important to that. You know, that, that um, what would we say that is, that, that adoption or that persuasion uh, process. Yep. All right, so maybe I should, uh, I should try to kind of wrap all this up in a, yep. in a nice little summary. Tidy um, Amazon box. <laughs> Amazon box. Um, sure. So I think it's probably fair to say that accessibility is never easy, right? Mm. Um, both institutional strategy and the tactical work of faculty and instructional designers are necessary to ensure that all learners mm-hmm. have access to their online learning content. Amen. Yeah, yeah yes. I agree with that. That's right. I agree. Totally. We have time for a, a plug before we sign off? Let us plug. All right. We haven't mentioned this in a while, but we do, believe it or not, dear listener, send out regular email newsletters with a direct link to the current episode, twice a month currently, and all of the show notes right in your inbox. The first Monday version even includes, get this, a link to exclusive bonus content and possibly a decoder ring. No, there's no decoder ring, but there is exclusive bonus content. To become a top cast insider, we call them, and get these emailed goodies for free, please visit the sign-up sheet online at bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash top cast insider, all lowercase, no spaces, bit.ly slash topcastinsider and sign up today so that you can get your email next time the episode drops. Yeah, and bonus content. We sometimes do put some secret bonus content in there. Cool. All right. Well, uh, thank you to Dr. Sherry Braxton uh, for the conversation. Thank you, Kelvin, for Mm -hmm. the interview. Mm -hmm. Until next time, for TopCast, I'm Tom. I'm Kelvin. See ya. So the municipality, the municipality, (laughs) what is that? (laughs)